Welcome to Prince Truck by Track Presents Stephen Wonder Classics. Today we're going to be talking about Blame It on the Sun from the album Talking Book, released on October 28th, 1972. On the track we have Stevie Wonder with backing vocals from Jim Gilstrap and Lenny Groves. You may remember them from the opening sentences of You Are the Sunshine of My Life. Uh, the track was written by Stevie and returning his ex-wife now, Cyrita. Um, the track is 3 minutes 26, and joining me to talk about today is Alec Rayner. Hello, Alec. Hello. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting because given the kind of subject matter of the song, uh, in particularly opening with the words, where has my love gone? <laughs> How can <laughs> I go on? Uh, it feels very much like, I mean, I, you know, this is kind of, uh, y- this is obviously like a ballad, um, but it's kind of, you know, it's more unusual because it's a ballad about a breakup. Uh, not, not That's not that unusual on Talking Book because this is an album that is both at once about how much Stevie loves Cyrita and also how they've broken up. Um, you know, we go from You Are the Sunshine to Maybe Your Baby and then back to You and I and then on to Tuesday Heartbreak and then back to You've Got It Bad Girl. <laughs> um, and then here we've got Blame It on the Sun, which, of course, will then be followed by Looking for Another Pure Love and then followed up by I Believe When I Fall in Love. So, like, you know, there's there's this kind of seesawing between um, Stevie being deeply in love with Cyrita and singing about her and then a song like this, which is... Um, probably, I don't know, one of the more melancholy songs that Stevie Wonder ever recorded. Like, just the kind of, the aching in his voice, you know, is so kind of palpable. Like, it just, it, it just feel like, I mean, it's so weird that they co-wrote it together, but it feels like it's so much about, you know, him asking, you know, this, this whole thing of like, you know, it seems my dear love has gone away. Where is my spirit? You know, <laughs> I'm nowhere near it. Oh yes, my love has gone astray. Like, just the kind of, you know, how kind of lost he feels. Um, and then just the fact that he says, you know, I'll blame it on the sun, the sun that didn't shine. I'll blame it on the wind and the trees and I'll blame it on the time that was never enough, which feels like the kind of the most truest line in the song is I'll blame it on the, on the time that was never enough. Um, and then this kind of I'll blame it on the tide and the sea. Um, and then the kind of the final, I don't know, like a heartbreaking line, which is like, but my heart blames it on me. And just the way he delivers that. Oh, is like, yeah. Just- yeah perfect the spacing of all that just perfect delivery of that line i feel like he breaks it yeah. down really well and he it kind of breaks from the um the rest of the chorus for the way that happens and yeah it's quite the you know i i always feel like stevie's just an expert at just making the listener understand his emotions he's you know, I was about to say he's such an open book, which, you know, we're talking about talking book right now. So, yeah, pretty much the same thing. But, it, you know, just yeah. such a great chorus that ends on such a feels like a big kind of epiphany where he, you know, he doesn't stops blaming it on other stuff. And then, you know, kind of has to be a bit retro introspective and, you know, figure out that. You know, he has some blood on his hands. I think as well, it's interesting because obviously once the chorus comes back the second time, um, you know, he'll say, I'll blame it on the sun. And then he'll list other things. He'll say, you know, that didn't fill the sky. I'll blame it on the birds and the trees. I'll blame it on the day that once ended too soon. I'll blame it on the nights that could not be. But then he goes back to, but my heart blames it on me. And so like, even though he's blaming all these different things in the chorus, he's kind of like, uh, you know, eventually kind of realizing 
that it's it's him that is kind of to blame, um, which I think is kind of interesting because obviously at least some of this is being put into his mouth by his ex-wife. So, yeah. um, I, I don't know if she's settling scores or whatever, but like it just it kind of it's kind of interesting that they kind of they co-wrote the song together. Uh, and then, of course, in the second verse, it's like, you know, who poured the love out, who made this bitter doubt, is peace not here for me to see? Uh, wish I could tell you what I am feeling, but the words won't come for me to speak. Again, you know, I've said this before about kind of the contribution from Cyrita. Um, the verses feel very much like her style of songwriting, like they feel a lot more closer to, you know, the influence she had on the first couple of albums. And the chorus feels very raw and emotional and that feels closer to kind of like how Stevie expresses himself. So it, it almost feels like they're kind of alternating here, um, you know, between the kind of thoughts of like, you know, what's what's going on with their love and then also who is to blame. Um, and I just like the fact that eventually he realizes and then just kind of blames himself. Um, you know, and then kind of at the end, you know, he says, your heart blames it on you this time. <laughs> and it's like, you know, the the fact that like in a lot of kind of ballads and stuff, like people talk about their heart and how their heart is broken and how their heart is full of joy and all this kind of stuff. But here, like the heart is kind of like a conscience and it's like blaming Stevie for breaking him. Um, and, I, you know, I think that's kind of an interesting way to kind of put it. Um, but yeah, I, I just kind of, I mean, you know, everything on this song, you know, as goes with most of the songs on Talking Book, just the production of it is so kind of perfect, um, you know, and, and just kind of like the use of the Tonto and in particular the harpsichord, like, which is not something that he's used that much on this particular album. Um, you know, he's mostly been using the clavinet. Um, but the fact that he kind of swaps that out here and uses the harpsichord instead, it kind of gives it just like a, a different feeling. Um, you know, and it's worth saying as well that Jim and Lanny, you know, on background vocals, they're also kind of, they really give it a certain, like a different texture. Um, you know, obviously when Stevie's doing his own backing vocals, his backing vocals are still perfect. Um, but it's still, you know, multiple Stevie's. And so it's nice to have like just a, a kind of a couple of different voices in the background there, um, kind of giving it a slightly different texture. Also, like having Lanny's voice in there as well makes it feel like maybe um, she's kind of, you know, giving Cyrita's part to the, you know, like kind of maybe her voice is in there to kind of remind Stevie of who he's kind of broken up with. Yeah, kind of symbolizing that. But I, I don't know. I just love the song so much. And, I, you know, the the arrangement of it's so perfect. Kind of the, the emotion that's being expressed is so perfect. And just Stevie Wonder's kind of delivery. Yeah. Um, you know, of this kind of, you know, we've already had him literally say Tuesday heartbreak. But this feels like it's heartbreak in a, a kind of slightly different way. Yeah, Stevie just does such a fantastic job of pairing, you know, the right instruments, the right sounds with, you know, a kind of emotion. And I, I think that, you know, it gets stronger up until, um, you know, in this whole run, he just does such a fantastic job of figuring out what kind of sounds would, you know, accompany this kind of lyrics and this kind of delivery he just does such a great job of making his songs feel atmospheric and bigger than life well i mean this is something that i don't think i've mentioned but uh on talking book um there was um some braille lettering that had a message for people um and it wasn't until 2000 that it was kind of it was it was kind of uh you know uh transcribed um and it and it was here is my music it is all i have to tell you how i feel know that your love keeps my love strong and that you know so and that that sentiment i think kind of reflects all the kind of ballads on this album like you know this is this is literally all he has at this point you know um after the divorce 
you know, he has the, he has the music and that's the only way he knows to kind of um, get his emotions across. Uh, and that's something that's kind of so present in this song. Like, it's just, you know, he, 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 like you kind of feel every little kind of um, emotion in, in the in the entire of the song, you know, like the whole just just the whole kind of like, you know, blame it on the sun. It's like him attempting to blame it on something else. And then eventually, just like the realization that probably, you know, he's the one who's to blame. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's kind of interesting, you know, that he he kind of eventually, um, you know, like realizes that you know it's probably his fault, um, you know. And it's interesting, of course, that um, you know later on in 1980, um, Cyrita would release yet another album called Cyrita. Uh, after this, she'd already released one album called Cyrita in 1972, and obviously after Stevie Wonder had presented Cyrita in 1974. Um, it feels like she's kind of doing like, um, was it like Peter Gabriel kept calling all his albums Peter <laughs> Gabriel, um, you know, and so on that album, um, you know, she did a cover of Science Ill Delivered, I'm Yours, which is, you know, interesting because obviously that's one of the first songs that Stevie Wonder wrote for her. Um, and she also did, you know, a host of other covers. Um, you know, uh, some of which she had, she performed with Billy Preston. Um, and, you know, there's not a lot of kind of more minor covers, I would say. Uh, and then she also opened the album with a cover of this, of Blame It On The Sun. Um, so it's kind, of, it's kind of interesting, you know, because, uh, you know, the, the kind of first album that she recorded, she also opened with a cover of a Stevie Wonder song. So Yeah, and two uh, completely different contrasting moods of those, yeah. both those songs are... You know, two yes. opposite spectrums of, you know, <laughs> of Stevie Wonder. Uh, yeah, and interestingly, you know, she pretty much would only record like one more album, um, a kind of a couple, well, a couple more albums after that, um, and then kind of in the mid '80s, she kind of didn't really, she didn't really record anything, uh, kind of after '81. Yeah, so this is kind of like the start of her penultimate album <laughs> was was this this kind of uh, this this song. Um, and I, I don't know, I, th I think it's, it's kind of interesting because, um, you know, obviously it's not like Stevie and Cyrita really kind of fell out that much. Like like I said before, their marriage was mostly, the, the, the problem was mostly the fact that Stevie was spending a lot of his time recording stuff and wasn't really at home. Um, you know, at, once we get past Songs in the Key of Life, obviously Stevie Wonder's kind of, you know, his, his kind of recording schedule slowed right down. And, he, you know, at this point he hasn't recorded, he hasn't released an album in, almost 15 years so you know obviously he's he's you know i guess his kind of work-life balance has been figured out more to the fact that he's going to spend his time with his family rather than recording albums uh whereas obviously as a 20 year old he's he was mostly focused on recording albums and not spending time with his family um but i i think you know the fact that she was able to kind of record literally like two songs i mean it's an album that's only got you know, like 10, ten. songs. Yeah. Two and two of them are Stevie Wonder songs. So basically <laughs> he's still making up twenty percent of her output like eight years later. Um so but again I think that speaks to the fact that they had, you yes. know, such a kind of such a um, great working relationship. They would they you know they didn't it wasn't like a contentious divorce or anything. It was like I say, it was just the pressures of, of Stevie's job and they just kind of separated and yeah. you know, they, they just they just basically kind of still got on for many, many years after that. And uh you know, uh, I I don't know. I just find it interesting that like kind of the songs that they co-wrote together with like, some of the songs that you know she chose to kind of re-record. Yeah. Um, in particular, because like the sentiment of this is like so, it feels so very specific to Stevie Wonder in 1972. Yeah. Um, it doesn't feel like a universal love song that's kind of you know like, 
you know, very kind of generic or anything. It feels very specific to an emotion that Stevie Wonder is trying to get across. Like he said in the message that was printed in Braille, you know, this is this is the only way he has to express himself. And and so, you know, you really feel that. So, I, you know, I, I, I don't know that any other covers can kind of I know that Phil Collins covered it. And I, I don't know that I don't know that Phil Collins can really uh, I don't know that it's really worth kind of seeking that out to listen to because I don't think he can kind of like I say a lot of the songs from Stevie Wonder in this particular point I think from the next album onwards his songs are a lot easier to cover because you know the political messages and stuff are a bit kind of more they're a bit more easier for people to kind of make their own or you know a song like this just feels like it's about a breakup and yeah. it's about a very specific breakup and you know the two people who broke up are the ones writing about it and yeah. you know it, both of them have recorded their own version of this and you know like it feels like it's very much their song so anyone trying to cover it you know you you're kind of uh, trading on someone else's kind of emotion yeah um, you know uh, it's just quite impressive to me that they were just able to write about so many you know, different aspects of their own relationship, you know, with each other. Like, you know, they had the, obviously the working relationship, but it was still obvious that there was personal stuff within that working relationship that had to yeah. go on. Like, they know what lines in this song are about one another and stuff like that. <laughs> like, stuff that, you know, probably someone like me would be too shy to, you know, like explicitly, if I'm working with someone that I, you know, have had any kind of feelings with, would not want to have all out there and stuff like that so they really just bared their souls and were a fantastic songwriting duo so i would have to say for myself uh six out of five i love this song i love the emotion i you know stevie's voice as well kind of like you know his voice was obviously perfect you know from the moment he started singing that was the thing that sold into people but i think his voice like on this album even from the album that was released six months earlier has started to mature even more and so just kind of you know, the way he sings that opening line and is like, you know, where did my love go? And just like the way he goes down the scale. And I know it's just his voice is getting even better and his songwriting skills are getting sharper and his production is getting better as well. So like everything about him, you know, I can understand why this is the point where he starts winning everything basically uh, for the next few years. So, yeah, yeah. you know, six just out of five, just a, a complete classic. Easy six out of five, five out of five. Just it seems like he's growing as an artist at like an exponential rate it's everything's just so like good in this era and i was very like my first listen through of um stevie wonder's discography i was like you know you always hear some things like you know that citizen came best movie ever and then you watch it and you're like you know i get it even and you enjoy it and stuff like that but you're not like wow all the time at least, like my personal opinion, even though like I I see the merits of a film like Citizen Kane and how it changed the industry and stuff like that. So you know, hearing about like songs of the key alive, talking book, inner visions, and you know, winning all those Grammys just in a row, people going up on stage and saying, "I want to thank Stevie Wonder for not releasing any music because otherwise he would have won the Grammy this year." And you know that that just seems like such an impossible bar to reach in your head. And I listen to all these albums and I'm like, wow, I would have a very, I, I, you know, I feel this kind of way. I feel like they live up to this insane amount of hype they got. And I think the thing is as well, like the fact that they did win Grammy of the Year so many times and, you know, he won for other, you know, for other things as well, you know, other Grammys at the time as well. Um, I think it's kind of, it's like, 
you know, the album sold from this point on, they sell a lot better than the first two albums did, you know, like uh, up to Songs of the Key of Life, which obviously, you know, sold 10 million. Yeah. You know, so he sold millions of records and he was winning awards and all the critics were saying these albums are brilliant. And I, you know, it's hard to find these days. Like, I don't know that you could find an artist that had this kind of run and not just a critical run, but also a commercial run. And also, you know, within the industry was given accolades by, you know, other musicians. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just hard to find somebody who kind of fits all those, who kind of ticks all three of those boxes. Yeah. And, you know, Stevie Wonder did. And the reason why he lives up to the hype is just because, you know, he was that good, you know, like, and, <laughs> and, 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 you know, it was never, nothing was ever exaggerated about Stevie Wonder. He literally was, you know, a genius and, you know, from an early age, that was kind of, you know, obviously there are other artists who start out young and kind of yeah, you know, don't live up to the hype and, you know, kind of their careers kind of fall apart. But Stevie Wonder seemed to be kind of like, he seemed to know exactly how to kind of cope. And, you know, I would say that, you know, marrying Sarita, getting together with Sarita probably helped him, you know, like there was a few years there where she was kind of, you know, his rock and kind of helped provide him with the support he needed. And that allowed him to grow as an artist, you know, like as as terrible as it was that their marriage split up, it feels like after they split up, you know, he writes these next like three albums that are kind of some of the best albums ever recorded. And I think some of that is spurred on by his personal pain. And, you know, the fact that she was there, still there for him, you know, kind of, I think, helped him kind of be able to, you know, express these thoughts. Like you say, you know, you might be too shy to kind of put this down on record, but I think Stevie, that was the only way he and kind of Sarita could kind of work this through was by just putting it out there in the song. Um, you know, obviously that's something that we'll talk about more on some upcoming episodes. So let's go to plugs. Is there anything that you wish to plug, Alec? Yes, AlecRainer98 is my Twitter. Um, I love talking. Hit me up. Um, y'all are good people. Y'all have good taste if you're listening to this, so... <laughs> happy to be here and you can find this project uh, on Twitter at Stevie by Wonder uh, thanks as well for being my guest here today Alan. any day any day and otherwise goodbye goodbye I'm living when I'm falling down